Welcome to this week's Priority Now podcast, encouraging women to become better disciples of Jesus. Every week we hear from women just like us that are being intentional to know Jesus more and to make Him known. Here's your host, Carmen Halsey. Hi, ladies, and welcome to this week's Priority Now podcast. This week on the podcast, I have a friend of mine, Miss Jennifer Carruthers. Hi, Jennifer. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I appreciate you saying yes to letting me interview you for a podcast, even though we coerced you just a little bit. (laughs) It's only because I'm nervous that you had to coerce me. (laughs) You're fine. You're fine. Jennifer, every week we do this podcast and we say we're just ordinary women who serve this extraordinary God. And Jennifer, that's what I want to share because I'm enjoying getting to know your story more and I want others to get to know that also. So tell them a little bit about yourself first before we go any further in the conversation. Well, I am married to Kevin, who has been a pastor and is currently serving as associational mission strategist for Salem South Baptist Association. Uh, We have two kids, 14-year-old, almost 15-year-old son, Ian, and a 10-year-old daughter, Elena. And so they're lots of fun. And I'm a physical therapist. I work at Good Samaritan Hospital in Mount Vernon, and I work currently work on our inpatient acute rehab unit. So... Um, that's kind of a relatively new thing for me. I've been doing that for a year and a half, and that's been a good thing for me. So, how long has it been since you moved back to the Mount Vernon area, Jennifer? Uh, four years. Four years. Time goes quick. Time goes yeah. quick. Maybe not for you, but that's quick. It just seems like it wasn't that long. That's <laughs> of course, true. we have thrown a pandemic in there. So, goodness. That's right. Well, you know what? I want to talk a little about that because when I first met Jennifer, ladies, um, Kevin um, was pastoring at Rochester Baptist, you know, just right outside Springfield. And um, Jennifer, I knew you a little bit, but I really hadn't got to know you a lot doing therapy for home health at the time. Is that correct? Yeah. So, the eight years that we were in Rochester, I did home health care and was just working part-time three days a week. And so it was a really, really great fit for me and our family at that time. The kids were younger and gave me a lot of flexibility um, to be do classroom stuff with them or take go on field trips or um, and just be home when they came home from school. And um, of course, Elena, that was before Elena was really in school. So um, that was really, it was a good, good fit for us at that uh-huh. time. So. And then when God um, brought you back to Mount Vernon for Kevin's job that he's in now, the Associational Mission Strategist, that, of course, you had to move. It's not like you could commute to work, although I'm sure you were tempted because it was that good of a fit. Yeah. Um, And that led to you searching again. And I want you to talk a little bit about what that transition experience was like, because, Jennifer, I hear this with women a lot. It's hard when um, you you have that job that's a good fit and you know God's moving and he does something in your family. But being obedient to God means here comes this second and what I call a secondary loss um, that you have to live through in this transition that sometimes is called work. And so, tell you know, share a little bit of what that was like for you to leave one job and start to look for look for a new one in the area that you're at now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we initially I didn't initially did try to find something that would be similar in terms of, you know, several days a week as opposed to full time. Um, but I was and, and I found a job that would have allowed me to do that. It just was not going to be quite as much pay as what I was making. And and we weren't sure about how all that was going to pan out. So I en- ended up interviewing for a Good Samaritan and again, tried to 
tried to finagle it to be just part-time and they really needed a full-time therapist. So they came back to me and said, you know, we really don't think we can do part-time. But I, through that process, the part-time home health that was available, I just didn't feel as confident about that. And then in talking to the Good Samaritan people, I felt like, I don't know, I just kind of felt the Lord leading that this was the better fit for me, even though I was going back to full-time. So I made that commitment and and went back, but it, it was tough. <laughs> It was uh-huh. tough, and it just really shifted kind of our our family dynamics again. When we were in Rochester, and I was part time, I was able to just do more of the of the household stuff, you know, and you know, so kind of coming back to full time, man, it was exhausting, and so it was it was just a little bit of a process to transition into that, and and even still, it's mm-hmm. it's exhausting. <laughs> Sure, sure. But it's a, you know, I'm, I'm a little more used to it now. So that's that's a good part. But it was tough to kind of finagle what was going to be best for us. What did we need financially? What did we need for the family? And so we felt like this was, you know, the fact that we were in Mount Vernon and hospitals right here too. So that, that made it easier to decide, I guess, too. So Sure, sure. Um, Jennifer, you're one of a few healthcare workers now, that, and you're in a different role of healthcare that we've had on the podcast. And so, obviously, you've worked pandemic. Um, you worked the rant, you know, when, when we were first hearing about COVID, you worked all the way through it, and you're, you're on that acute rehab. So, my instincts tell me you're seeing a lot of the rehab of some of these folks coming off of those extended ventilator stays and so forth. Tell us from your perspective. What has it been like on the on the employees to you know to 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 have that kind of pressure on them you know with with all the new restrictions I mean and not just the restrictions but for over a year you know a year and a half where you thought it was ending and it started back what do you think it's like on the patients and the families It's just been a roller coaster really um, It's been you know at the beginning it was just a lot of fearfulness just a lot of fear. How is this going to work? What are, what are we doing? And in those beginning stages, it was sometimes hour to hour changes coming down the line. You know, you're doing this this morning and then you get word that you've got to start adding this in and we're going to stop using this PPE. We've got to start using this PPE protective equipment. And so it was just a lot of change, rapid change, adjust, 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 um, and and really just a pretty scary environment initially. You know, as time has gone on, that part has become a little more regimented. We kind of, you know, we know more, we know what we need to do. It's become mm-hmm. a little more teen in that respect, but it's, you know, kind of this resurgence that we're seeing, that we've seen again this year. It's just, you know, it's wearing. <laughs> it's definitely mm-hmm. wearing on people. And, but at the same time, on the other hand, it is in some ways just becoming sort of the new norm too. I mean, we're finally kind of getting to that point where it's it's the new norm. And I was doing acute care when we started. So I was, you know, in the acute setting, really was one of the first therapists in our hospital to have to go into COVID rooms. Not the very first, but one of the first few. And just, mm-hmm. you know, it, you know, just a lot of fearfulness. Am I doing this right? Am I going to, you know, can I get close to this patient? But then once you get in there, you know that you know what they need. You know, they, 
you know, they need attention, they need help, they need, you know, and so once you're there face to face with patients, it was always like, okay, it's just business as usual with just all the garb on because the patients need us, you know, they needed help. So. Sure. Jennifer, I don't want to ask questions that's been, you know, asked over the last year and a half. I don't want to have some of the same conversation, but some of what I want to talk to you a little bit about today, I think it's the same conversation but I'm just curious if it's changed. And what I'm looking at there is um, what are the opportunities you see for the church? Because of what you see so many families experiencing and patients experiencing, um, there were there were already opportunities that the, that the church could get involved and bridge some of these gaps between, between patient being in a hospital and home. But what sort of new opportunities do you think are there that your eyes see that maybe you didn't see pre-COVID that, you know, so maybe news the wrong word, but are there any, or am I just maybe imagining my, my instincts tell me there's all kinds of opportunities and true need where the church could be invited to the table because of some of what the pandemics created. Mm-hmm. There are certainly, I think, increased needs of patients. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of these COVID long haulers, you know, is what they're called. Um, you know, patients who have been on the ventilator for quite some time, and then they're coming into into the rehab units to really get strengthened back up and prepared to go back home. And just, they just need a lot. I mean, they need a lot of equipment. They need a lot of support. They need a lot of, you know, help. Some of them are going home really, really good. You know, they're walking out the door and it's been really exciting and to see. And there's just been a lot of, I, I just have to say it's miracles. It's miraculous miracles happening with these patients who were at one point on death's door and now are, you know, making this comeback and, you know, just really regaining strength and, and function. But some of them, you know, just really need you know, they need support. They need, they need help. They need encouragement. It's such a traumatic thing. And several of them just really, um, you know, it's like a PTSD scenario. They're just, it's such a traumatic event to their body and it affects every part of their body. And so, you know, including the mind and their, their thinking isn't as clear as it, they would like it to be you know, people talk about the COVID fog and it can last quite a long time. Um, so I don't know. I think people need, you know, churches can get involved with people in the community. Just, you know, I, I know it's so traditional to say, but but meals and helping caregivers, you know, have some respite. And, um, you know, sometimes people need ramps built. Sometimes they need equipment. Sometimes they need, um, you know, sometimes there's just those physical things, actual things they need delivered to them. But I think people need to be able to talk about it too, talk about what they've been through and people be willing to listen. I've just heard from patient after patient, crazy, and, and I crazy is probably not a good word, but just stories of heaven and hell, literally, you know, seeing themselves in heaven or at times in hell as they have gone through the being on the vent and and being sedated. And they're just having wild visions in their head. And for those believers, they feel like they're experiencing moments with God. And I, and I, and I think they're probably right. But I've also heard the opposite of that. But I think people, regardless of the spectrum or what they really experience, I think they just need to be able to talk about that. You know, so I think the church can gather around those people that they know and 
just sharing that with them and help them process those things just I think by listening you know, that's interesting because I, if, if we were playing a trivia game, I probably could have list 20 things that I think the church could do to help um, just on observation. But, you know, that never hit my list. So that's that's insightful that you say that, because I know with grief, that's a huge part. And I know um, with a lot of our compassion ministries like Celebrate Recovery, that's a huge part that people need that chance just to process in a safe place. But I never, I mean, it makes sense, but I never thought about that, Jennifer. So that that's key, what you just shared. You know, if you're listening in, ladies, um, to the podcast this week, we'd be hard-pressed for us all not to know at least somebody that's been probably one of the long haulers, as you heard Jennifer, you know, reference, you know, coming through COVID. And it's one thing when we celebrate when they wake up. It's one thing when they, we celebrate that they wean I don't know that um, the families always know that even though that's a celebration moment, man, a hard journey is just beginning, you know, to get them back on their feet and rehabbed. And, and life has really changed and life is, as they've known it. And there's lots of opportunities for help. But but that's really good, Jennifer, because that opened my eyes. All right. Let me switch off of healthcare for a minute. Let me just ask you the general question, because we say ordinary woman, extraordinary God. How is God talking to you? We know a little bit about the world that you've been living in the last couple of years. What is God showing you right now? I think one of the things that he's been working on me about here recently is to see what I'm doing more as a ministry. And, and I'll kind of go back to the begin to this transition we've been in. Part of what's been difficult for me in, in this transition of Kevin moving out of the pastorate um, was sort of the the decrease role for me in terms of ministry, not being the pastor's wife. And and I enjoyed that. <laughs> I enjoyed mm-hmm. being the pastor's wife. A lot of pastor's wives maybe don't say that, but mm. But I did enjoy that. And and in Kevin's role now, it, it's not it's not the week to week involvement that I had before. Mm-hmm. And so that was a little bit of a um, difficult process to work through. And I think I think in this past year, especially um, the Lord has just been working on me to remind me that this is its own ministry too. you know, not just a job, not just a career, but a ministry. And so I've been trying to really keep my focus there. It, <laughs> I fail at that day by day. I just want people to know, um, cause I, it's, I started each morning with, you know, walking into work. This is my ministry. <laughs> I want to be, I want to <laughs> do with the Lord. And then you just get bombarded by all the stuff. So, um, but I, it, it, that's just what he keeps bringing to mind is, you know, this is, this is a ministry for you. And, you know, just to continue to try to shine his light to each person I'm encountering there. So do you see opportunities um, to pour into other employees as you look at that through the lens of ministry, as well as patients? There's plenty of opportunity. Yes. I, I don't know that I rise to that challenge <laughs> as well as I should. But yes, the opportunity is definitely there. And, and and just as we're talking and as you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, there's just there is so much more I could be doing, you know, because again, we just need, I think as healthcare workers, we need, you know, we do need people pouring into us in that setting, you know, day, day by day. And so I'm just even sitting here thinking, <laughs> maybe we just need to have a little time of prayer <laughs> at lunchtime or something like that, you know, just... Mm-hmm. We just need that reminder each day that we're 
we're here for a reason. God has put has put us in this place for this time. Amen. So. Amen. I love that you say that because I'm so passionate about the marketplace. And I just think of, of all the people that sit on our church pews or chairs on a Sunday, you know, and I just picture like we would commission a short-term mission team. I can just, to me, in my mind, it's like the pastor's commissioning us all out to a mission field on Monday morning. Yeah. And we, we, you know, we go, but I mean, we're there to get filled up, to get trained, and then we go. And it's like a mission trip, right? Be flexible. We don't know what's going to happen. You know, God owns that. And we all may have our own little assignments. But it is a matter of shifting our, our lens to, to, to say, this is, a, this is a platform. You know, Jennifer, one of the things I realize, and I realize it more, more now than ever in my life, um, it's not easy to believe in and love an invisible God. So that's an act of grace on God's part right there. So knowing that, if we don't always see him where he's working today. But I'm seeing the importance of pausing and looking back where, where you can see his hand in this or hand in that or he was there because it brings me confidence to know that he is working today, even though I can't see him, which brings that obedience right to every day that you show up to work. You know, Jennifer, sometimes I think that I go in with the mentality of what can I do today? I'm looking for God to give me the assignment instead of realizing that just my presence, if I spend my time with him and I'm abiding with him, he lives in me. And sometimes it's just my presence or your presence in a room that's bringing God into a room that we may have no clue how he's interacting with somebody that we may not even, you know, the spirit can testify to spirit that we we don't even know that is is happening. But I love that I can look back more and more and see where he's worked. That gives me confidence that he's working today. But it also gives me courage and a boldness to face tomorrow you know, to trust that he's going to, that he's going to be there. And you've already hit on my, on my passion area. And I know we've talked a little bit about this, but that's why I, I know that there's a gap in leaders. I know that. And I know, I know everybody makes impact because we all have influence. We're all leaders, but I also know that there's key leadership positions that open up in those healthcare systems that get to pour into those employees. And when you when you can engage an employee and develop an employee, that patient care gets better. So it's a good experience for the patient at the church. How can we help to develop the leadership skills of the Carmens and the Jennifers so that those transfer, you know, those are transferable into those places of work on Monday morning that just make such an impact for the kingdom. Um, they're, you know, because it is a servant leadership. So I know you and I've talked and you've, you've shared that you can see opportunities for that. It's not that we have poor leaders, but sometimes we have weak leaders, <laughs> Yeah. you know, and, and, and I don't know, do you think sometimes people are scared of leadership positions? I think so. I think some people just feel like they don't, aren't sure about taking on that responsibility. Uh-huh. You know, concern about being liked, maybe, or you know, mm, pleasing sure. them around us. But we also, you know, part of what I see is, you know, we really sometimes. And I don't know if it's just in healthcare. I'd, I, I would suspect it's not. But we look more for the wrong types of things to for those positions. You know, we're looking for a certain degree or a certain level of experience or a certain, and, and certainly sometimes those things need to be in place um, for certain positions. But, you know, we're we're looking for titles rather than characteristics um, mm-hmm. and those leadership abilities that are just sometimes inherent. Sure, sure. No, I, I, I understand that. I understand that. Jennifer, something you just said that is so interesting to me, and it, it wouldn't have been um, a month ago, 
but it's based on something I've just recently learned. When you say sometimes what we're looking for in a leader, you know, part of what we do in leadership development and ladies, please listen in because these are the things that we do in the community. And that's what we're saying. We're here to, de- to make, you know, to help us develop as a disciple who can go and make disciples. And um, sometimes these positions, these, these structured positions of leadership give us chances to pour into to folks life and to get to help develop them. But um, you heard Jennifer say that sometimes what they're looking for in leaders, you wonder, are they looking for the right things or the wrong things? And if you're listening, maybe some of you have been like me and you, t- you get a position and you think, what was I thinking? This, this just doesn't make me happy. I can do it. You're good at it. But you just kind of feel stuck. It's not really what you enjoy doing all the time. And it's just been about a month ago that I was introduced to a working genius. That's a productivity assessment. And it has to do with, it's not so much strength finders, but it has to do with what are some of the things that come naturally easy to me that I enjoy doing. You you start to learn who enjoys what types of jobs. And it's not like, oh, poor you, you have to do this. It's like, oh, yay me, I get to do this. And when you can see um, the way those gears start to work together, that's just one example of how little tools can help us be able to go find the right positions based on the way that God designed us. It also, just like Jennifer said, some of you guys are in leadership positions. You're in positions that are doing hiring, firing. These are the kind of tools that can help you so that you stop seeing some of this turnover over and over. So if you're listening and you're not connected, man, God does not intend that. It's too hard. We're here to support each other. So get connected to us. You can find us on Facebook at Illinois Baptist Women. You can follow us on Instagram at, at Illinois Baptist Women or come to our website and check out resources at ibsa.org backslash women. But more importantly, ladies, if you're listening and something there that Jennifer is saying, especially into that leadership realm is ringing a bell with you or just intriguing you, please consider reaching out to me and giving me an opportunity to talk to you one-on-one and listen to what God's doing in your life. And maybe there's something we can do to um, help you see better um, um, how God's designed you and, and better equip you to not be more successful like money, but to have more of that, sat- that satisfaction in the role that God that God has you placed in. So Jennifer, I'm glad you brought that up because it spurred my it spurred my thinking. Um, Jennifer, any last words of encouragement? If you could, you're speaking to the ladies across Illinois. Anything that you'd want to say here as we close, just to encourage them right now. I'll just give a word of scripture that I have hanging on my desk. I have several things hanging on my mm-hmm. desk, but something um, that has kind of just been good for me through this past year is Colossians 1, um, 15 through 19 talks about the centrality of Christ. And most of you, I'm sure know all of those verses, but verse 17 specifically, he is before all things and by him, all things hold together. And that's just something that has given me encouragement. We're all going through so much, but he's got us all right there. We're our complete existence, our universe, our world, all of creation holds together by him and through him. And so I think just keeping our focus there, we can get through any of it with his strength and guidance, knowing that he's got us in his hand, that it's through him that we're all here and breathing and being called to the ministry that he's called us to, whatever that is. So, Amen. Amen. That is the leader, Jennifer, talking. That is the difference with the leader that has the Holy Spirit living in them versus not, you know, because that, I mean, I I hear your voice as you're saying that, you know, I can hear your heart. It's like, I believe in this. I'm not just saying it. I believe it. And that's what gives you the power because you're standing in his power 
that you're taking him into that place. What you just did right there demonstrates my passion for why the church is developing leaders to send into that marketplace. But ladies, I mean this with love. If you're listening, lean in. I mean it with love. Some of you guys are in those places of influences and you're trying to tell yourself that you're not. But you're backing away from the table or you're thinking that they really don't want to hear your voice or you don't have anything to say. And if I can encourage you at all, listen to what Jennifer is saying and listen to what she just said. You have the Holy Spirit living in you too. Don't be scared to offer something up. If there's ever a time of urgency, ever a sense of urgency, the time is now. And people are hungry for the hope. And we're the ones that carry hope because we carry him in us. So Jennifer, that that moment was priceless because that's the Jennifer I see. I see coming alive and I'm just watching to see what is God doing in your life, getting ready for what he's going to do through you. I hope you can see it because I, I can see it. I can see it, friend. All areas of your life, I see you getting stronger mentally, physically, and spiritually. Thank you. All right, ladies, um, if you've been listening today, then that means it's Friday for you. So I want to ask you just to have a good rest of your Friday. Enjoy your weekend. I hope you have a great Sabbath. And I'll see you back here next Friday on the Priority Now podcast. You've been listening to the Priority Now podcast with host Carmen Halsey. Resources mentioned today are listed in the episode notes in the podcast app. Stay connected with us through social media and our website, ibsa.org slash women.